Hey, you all. Today, we are talking about pandemic flux syndrome, which is a new word created by Amy Cuddy that perfectly describes the whiplash of feelings that we're experiencing at this stage of the pandemic. Pandemic flux is characterized by blunted emotions, spikes in anxiety and depression, and a desire to drastically change something about our lives. You all, I have some crazy ideas about what I'm going to be doing in the next year, so stay tuned and take a listen. In this episode, we're going to go in-depth about how we see pandemic flux syndrome playing out for us, as well as all the other parents that we see and even our partners and other folks in our lives. We also go through some steps to help us all work through it. So if you're feeling some crazy emotions right now, Amy Cuddy has beautifully given us a name for it. Take a listen to learn more about pandemic flux syndrome, and we hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapists. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Caroline. We are zooming this morning, and I can see both of you. Hi. We're both unshowered, guys. All of us are looking our finest. We'll not send a picture to you all. (laughs) We'll never release the images that are associated with this recording. Maybe the reason why we have not showered, though, is because we are experiencing pandemic flux. I actually think that it is pandemic flux. I love the idea of pandemic flux because it fits everything I'm feeling right now. I'm watching Sarah organize her office as we are doing this. (laughs) I'm like, are all those paper noises going to be in our <laughs> oh, I hope so. Sorry about that. I'll stop moving around. It's too tempting because I've just got piles in here I need to do something with. Oh, my God. So, guys, let's talk about what pandemic flux is. And it's a new word that Amy Cuddy has coined. She did it in this Washington Post article released on August 11th called entitled Why This Stage of the Pandemic is So Hard. And Guys, she has hit the nail on the head. Amy Cuddy kills it. Um, Please go read that article because I think it very accurately describes what we are feeling today. So props to Amy Cuddy. So here's what pandemic flux is. Do you guys have the definition written down or is it just me? Just you. you. (laughs) Okay, great. So I'll just keep on talking. Pandemic flux is the emotional whiplash of this stage of the pandemic. And when she says emotional whiplash, I am feeling it. And for a while, I thought it was just me. She describes it as blunted emotions. So sometimes not being able to feel your emotions, spikes in anxiety and depression. So sometimes feeling like so nervous and so worried about something and other times feeling totally down and not wanting to get out of bed and also the desire to drastically change something about your life. So, you know, I think we're seeing that in tons of people moving, the super hot real estate market, you can't get a tattoo anywhere because the lines are out the door. Um, So drastically changing something about your life. Guys, are you feeling this too? Yeah. Every day, I feel like. 
But and then I think I think the hard part is too, you're not it's not in a bubble. So you're feeling it and you're whoever you're living with is feeling it. Everybody you're working with might be feeling it. So it's it's like just contagious. And and I think um the exacerbated responses that we see, the over responses we see or feel also like when you mentioned that spike in anxiety or depression, like your day could be going okay. And then all of a sudden you just feel like the floor drops out and you're like, Oh, why do I feel like this? I just feel so, you know, kind of low or just not motivated or whatever it is. I feel like the in and out of it is weird. Like I have some days that go totally fine. And then I have some days where I'm like, why am I so anxious? Like what, what has changed in the last 24 hours that now I'm really anxious and I'll like have a day like that. And then the next day I'm like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> like it's confusing. It is really confusing. So let's talk about ways that we are seeing people experience it. Let's go through one by one. So let's talk about the blunted emotions so that people can kind of say, oh, wait, I'm experiencing that. And pandemic fluff syndrome is why. So what are blunted emotions, guys? And how are you all seeing that in your work? When I think about blunted emotions, it's almost like someone throws a wet blanket over some somebody's emotions. Like they just almost, there might be a little bit of a response, but not the response you anticipate to see maybe. So if someone should be really thrilled or excited about something, maybe they're just like, that's great in a very kind of low key way. Or if something should be shocking or really overwhelming, they might actually be like, oh, well, okay, on to the next thing instead of feeling really ravaged by it. Does that make sense? I feel like blunted emotions, it's like instead of the ups and downs of riding the roller coaster, you're just like flatlining. You're just Mm kind of like chugging along and not reacting either direction. But not really in a contented way, more like in a a numb way. Mm -hmm. And I think sadly, we're starting to see that too with some of the tragedies around, like you would expect people around you to feel really sad or really upset about stuff or upset about losses in their lives or anything like that. But I think it's hard for some people to access those emotions because they're blunted. So we're not feeling the highs and we're not feeling the lows. And then you question yourself, like, why aren't I feeling worse about this? And that I think that's confusing because there's a lot of self-questioning about who you are because your feelings are blunted. Well, and there can be a lot of negative narrative about yourself in that moment because you're trying to figure that out. So it can be, gosh, I just, I'm such a cold person or, you know, what is, why am I, I must not be very kind anymore. I must, you know, those kinds of things. And it's really, you don't need a narrative to this. You need to not narrate this experience, more just survive this experience truthfully. You're totally right, because I also think, too, there's this piece of shouldn't I be excited about this, right? Like my kid just did something really exciting and my kid is, you know, 50% excited and I thought I would feel better. I thought this would be the thing that would alleviate my stress and it's not. Totally. So there's also the spikes in anxiety and depression. And I... Caroline, now that you say that you experienced that, I kind of remember you experiencing that. Guys, I walked into Amanda's office one day at the end of the workday. We both ended up in tears. And I was like, I was like, something is wrong with me. Like, I don't know what it is, 
but like I, my anxiety is like through the roof and Amanda and I, Amanda, I'm so grateful for that day. I'm like teary now thinking about it, but we were trying to like problem solve it and like figure out what was going on. And we could not. Nope. Sure. Couldn't (laughs) guys. This is what it's like to work with therapists. I work in another office. So I was like immune to all this happening. I'm so, I'm sorry. I kind of missed it, but we do walk around and talk about our feelings, just like we make people do when they come into our offices, by the way. But I really did in that moment. I was like, Caroline, you don't have to feel this anxious about things you're doing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it wasn't, it wasn't in line with who you are as a person. And I think that is pandemic flux syndrome. Well, and it's so jarring, right? Because I was like, something is so wrong and I don't know why. Oh, but then the next day you were like, I'm fine. You're like, it's good. Yeah. Like literally Amanda texted me that night and I was like, you know, I think I went for this long walk and (laughs) the world is a better place again. And the next day I was like, yeah, I mean, I think I'm okay. Like, I don't feel like I'm failing as a therapist anymore. (laughs) It's like that. But I think that that is exactly what is happening is we are questioning and becoming anxious about every little single part of our lives and, and having extreme anxiety or extreme hopelessness about where we are, right? Like, I think there are tons of people out there that are questioning what they're doing it, with their lives professionally. You, people, you can't find people to work. They're not returning to the same jobs. There are tons of people that are, you know, moving I have tons of friends, me included, that are like, should I have a baby? Should should I do a last final hurrah, even though it's been six years since my last baby? I'm thinking about it, guys. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> do it. <laughs> but I'm like, could I get a girl? Is it worth rolling the dice? I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> because I'm like anxious about life or hopeless about life and thinking that I need to solve it with something totally different. Right. I just was talking to a friend of mine who is in charge of hiring for her organization. She's head of HR and she said, it's just really hard to hire. And I was like, why is it so hard to hire right now? And she said, everybody has reevaluated their life. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, Oh, yeah. everybody has reevaluated their life. And in that there are people, another part of pandemic flux syndrome is the desire to drastically change something about your life, right? Because you're either anxious or depressed in these big peaks and valleys. And so the way to get control of that is to make a huge shift. And guys, I did this. So I, when I was feeling really anxious, I was like, maybe the problem is that I've just like overbooked outside of work, right? Like, meeting friends outside, doing things. I was like, so I'm just going to like reel it all in guys. I overcorrected so hard. (laughs) Like I was like, I am going to drastically change my whole social life. Like did a 180, did that for a week. And then, then felt really sad. (laughs) Then I was like, (laughs) wait, with this new plan, I don't get to do anything social. I like, don't see my friends. And I was like, okay, so maybe this wasn't the change that I needed, but it was like the easiest, simplest solution, right? It was like the one idea that I had that was actually something I could do Mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. 
And so now I found like this middle ground of where I'm existing, but I feel like, yeah, I was like so uncomfortable and I needed like this quick shift that I tried to create for myself. And then I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> this is also not the solution. <laughs> like, I just am enjoying this story because it's making me laugh because I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I think you all, I hate to say it, but we also drastically changed our professions recently. Like we did, we are all absolutely therapists, but now we're podcast hosts. We are, our business has changed like oh, so yeah. much. We have drastically changed our lives, right? I And I think that mm-hmm. some of that is a response yeah. to the pandemic. It's also, I think it, it's what got us through the pandemic for sure. Absolutely. And helped us stay sane through it. But we are right in that boat, y'all. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. We have changed kind of how we, yeah, our practice is huge and we've created this opportunity for lots of therapists and this huge team, which is awesome. But I'm not sure we would have done that if we were Mm -hmm. not challenged by something. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So our, whereas before we were just kind of therapists one-on-one in our rooms and we were lonely, Mm -hmm. we have all really shifted because now we get Guys, this podcast is for the listeners, but it's mostly for us. We all know this. Totally. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's why we started we're, it, really. Yeah. We're not even sure anybody's really listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, so we have done it. We are a million percent in, in you know, that camp. And mm-hmm. I think, like, in relation to that, having a name for pandemic flux is making my own life make so much more sense to me. Like it is giving me a sense of relief that like, oh, I understand what I'm going through. I understand the feelings that I'm feeling. And I think that sometimes just having a name for something can be so powerful, right? And being like, oh, I'm able to own the symptoms that I'm having in my life. Like I'm able to understand why I feel blunted or why I feel anxious or why I have this drive to like change something. It's just like, for whatever reason, that brings me so much peace to not have it just be uncertain of like, why do I feel this way? Is this why my partner of almost 30 years occasionally, I think wants to change me all the... (laughs) This no, that's not. It's something different, probably. No, but this is a really good point, I think, because we're talking about how this is impacting us, and I and we're going to talk about how it impacts parents for sure. But I think that as an adult in relationships with other adults, it is important for us to realize that the people around us are experiencing this too. So, mm-hmm. and having empathy for that. So, if I see even Caroline, now that I have a name for the pandemic flux, instead of us spending like an hour, like, where is this anxiety coming from? <laughs> like, we would have just been like, oh, right. pandemic flux again. And we would have just like been like, okay, there we are. Well, right. Now I know if I start feeling this way again, I know why. So, it's not going to freak me out. I'm just going to ride it out. Absolutely. Because you have some control over it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, so I think we have to be able to empathize with our partners and our coworkers and our kids. And we're going to talk about our kids next week um, and their pandemic fluxes. But I think it's important for us to remember that almost every single adult that we encounter is going through this. So let's talk about why we think 
this is happening. Why Amy Cuddy has has decided that pandemic flux is a thing and the research she's put into it, and also our own thoughts as clinicians as to why pandemic flux is a legitimate thing. Um, I will say for me, one of the things that I'm struggling with the most is that I feel like I cannot plan something exciting. So I feel a little bit like bored and antsy in my life just because it's like school and all of that stuff. And it has felt really hard to be able to plan a trip to get out of routine. It's hard to plan a vacation. It's hard to take a vacation. We have some ideas for the holidays in the winter and I don't feel like I can totally look forward to it because I'm so worried it's going to get taken away. And I don't want to tell my kids because they've already had so many vacations taken away. So it feels really hard while I want to make changes and I want to do something exciting. It feels really hard to rely on that and really hard to trust that. Well, I think the other side is as well. Like if you actually lean into and commit to doing something, then you, I don't know about you guys, but I have that extra layer of anxiety about, so what about exposure? What are, what are the risks that we're taking? Does the risk outweigh, you know, the safety piece in this, like all that. And I think, you know, the stories of, of our friends who were vaccinated that still got sick. And unfortunately the vaccines have really helped keep people out of the hospital, but it's still, you know, you get sick, that's not fun and you don't feel well and there's still a risk of getting really ill. So I think it's not even just canceling a vacation or, or not leaning into a vacation, but even if you commit to attending a wedding or attending, you know, a big family function of some sort, you know, what are the risks with that and how can you be super safe? And that creates anxiety. Absolutely. What you just said really increased my anxiety, Sarah, because I have a wedding I want to go to. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think that locally, what's really hard too is last year, like virtual school was so hard, but it was an option. And now like in the schools here, if your kiddo is exposed, like they're just at home, right? Like there isn't a structure in place for part of the pan, like part of this phase of the pandemic mm -hmm. doesn't have some of the supports that we would love for it to have. And I feel like the guidelines aren't as clear as they used to be. So like kids are having vastly different experiences and families are having vastly different experiences. And I think part of me misses like the certainty that there once was of like everything was closed. And then beginning of summer, like everything was reopened. And now it is sort of that stop and go of, am I doing it? Am I not doing it? What am I doing it? And I'm like, you know that, what movie is it in that scene where they're like all the math calculations going on in his head? You know what I'm talking about? It's like Seth. Oh, Bogan. beautiful mind. mind. Yeah. Oh, beautiful mind, right? No, I'm <laughs> that's a better one. Probably. That's too old. That's too old for Caroline. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? When it's like all of like the math happening. And I'm like, I feel like that's what I'm doing when I'm trying to figure out like, can I go do X thing? Yeah. Like it takes so much mental energy to just decide what are the risks? Is the risk worth it? Like sh I shouldn't do this. Who says that I should, what does it mean for work? Like there's just so much that has to go into a normal decision. Well, we talked about decision fatigue early on in our podcast and, and explained that how that kind of worked and, and how that impacted us. And I think it's this, it's still ongoing. And I think our, our, you know, in, in high stress situations, it's not just your brain that gets tired. It's your body that gets tired. And that combination with 
um, decision fatigue. I mean, I, I think again, you're just your your body and your brain are always trying to reboot themselves. And and then if you're adding all the time these lovely math equations that are now in my head because of the way Caroline put that actually, but um, but that's ex- it's exhausting, right? Like it's it's exhausting, and you can sit down. And for five minutes and just try to figure something out and you feel exhausted. And that's not, that's not our usual. I mean, I don't think most of us are, have had that experience as a constant before. I think you're right. And I think that Amy Cuddy talks about this as surge capacity. Um, So surge capacity is where we essentially are in as as animals, right? We are in a high stress situation and we've talked about how we do think this is a trauma. And in order to survive a high stress situation, we are surging, our endorphins are going, but our body only has a certain capacity for using all of that surge to get through a trauma. And we're getting through the end of it, y'all. We have hit our capacity for the energy that we can put towards sorting this stuff through. So we're just tired. I think adults, I think parents, I think I'm sure kids, but probably more parents who are making the decisions. We are tired of having to make all of these decisions and tired of having to get ourselves through this, this time. Okay. So we should just take a long nap. I mean, like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's, you know, I think again, like little things, um, little things are stressful too, where they didn't used to be as stressful. Right. I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Like it's the minutia sometimes that I can get caught in. And I'm not somebody who usually gets caught in that stuff by nature. Like that's not how I work because I, I don't have zero attention to detail. So the minutia doesn't catch my attention. So, I mean, I don't usually literally kind of get stuck in that. And I find myself getting stuck in that. And then I get on my own nerves and I get irritated with myself. So it's not pretty. No, you're right. I think the little stuff is adding up. And I think that what you were just talking about, Caroline, there is not a lot of routine for parents right now. Like we think there are moments of more routine, but it does not feel predictable. For instance, my kids are supposed to take the bus in the morning, but there is a bus driver shortage. So at 545 every morning, I get a phone call from the school system on a recorded line telling me that my kid's bus is going to be a half an hour late. Now, a half an hour late, I don't know if I'm supposed to take my kids to the bus 20 minutes before and like yell and scream at them to get up to the bus stop. And then I'm going to get there and we're going to stand around for 20 minutes. Like there is no consistency in this bus schedule. And that is just one small part of my day. That's why I was late this morning. And that's why I haven't showered because that half an hour <laughs> is my shower time, y'all. And instead I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting up at the corner with my, with my kids apologizing for yelling at them to get out there when the bus didn't even get there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think there's this piece of we're tired and we're still continuing to have to be creative and flexible to get through. Yeah. And sometimes I just don't want to be flexible anymore. You're right. Right. I think that's what we're saying is sometimes I feel like we've hit the limit and we're like, what do I do to cope with continuing to have to do this thing that I just feel like I don't have the capacity for anymore. I think in those moments, I, I become a really lovely person to live with also. Um, because I do know then when someone, when I walk in from work and someone's like, Hey, what do you, what's for dinner? I mean, I'm like, really? 
don't ask me one more question. Like I, but it's funny, like any other day in my normal life before, like that would have been a conversation starter where we would start having a normal conversation. We'd decide, but for whatever reason, some of the little things like that, just the interdependence piece, the little, the little parts of the, what's supposed to be like a routine part of your day just feels stressful or just feels like I want to punch someone in the throat. I mean, which is not really very nice. Because then in that moment, Sarah, what you're like is, at least for me, I'm like, something is wrong with this system, right? If I am this yeah. angry yeah. about dinner or I'm this angry, like I cannot figure out the bus situation, then I need to quit my job, right? Like that's where you want to make a drastic change or like I need that's to go to another county. So that is, I think that's contributing to why people are making these big changes because we know something is not working we feel so bad in our current system sometimes. So basically like just in, taking control and looking for some sort of giant change is almost self-soothing. A million percent. Cause at least you have control over it. But if I move to the city guys, no one in the city has a bus. Like all of those parents have to drive their kids to school every morning and every afternoon. I'm, I'm actually really lucky for my kids to have a bus. Like in all honesty, yeah. I mean, I live near a city elementary school and the drop-off situation in the morning is, it looks so stressful. Mm -hmm. There are a couple buses that I've seen, but it's a lot of drop-offs. And guys, I like literally the most life-changing thing I've done in the last month was change the way that I drive to work so that I, (laughs) (laughs) so that I don't get caught in the traffic around this school because it's like outrageous. It was taking me, guys, it was taking me 30 minutes to get to work. And literally oh all gosh. I did was, yeah, all I did was one morning go like, what if I didn't take 64? What if I took the bypass? <laughs> <laughs> and guys, I get to work in 12 minutes again. It's great. But it only took me a month of sitting there every morning being like, what is going on? <laughs> to come up with that lovely plan. And you're like, I'm going to move. I'm like changing jobs yeah, I'm like, because I'm I can't move. do this. I'm going to start working out of the Pantops office. <laughs> this is guys, this is pandemic flux. It's gotta be right. Yeah. I mean, when we, when, you know, when you work with trauma, you talk about the window of tolerance and that is kind of this middle ground where most people are with their moods and their feelings and things like that. And once someone's system has been trauma, it, it kind of, their system either overreacts or can really underreact to situations and kind of jump out of that window of tolerance. And I think the whole world is now in this new, has a new window of tolerance. I mean, I think um, little things really throw us out of that window of tolerance now when that didn't used to happen in the same way. But yeah, it is. I wonder from a clinical standpoint and also just from being a human, how is this going to impact moving forward? And and will we then kind of settle back into where our, our old normal was, or will this just be a new normal for us? Not the, I don't think we'll stay in pandemic flux. I think we'll come out of that really nicely. Most humans really recover well from high stress situations and our bodies and our minds are built for that. But I just wonder what, like, will people be reevaluating everything? Like, will people continue to move a lot? Will, will people continue to live out of vans that they've renovated? That's fascinating to me, by the way, you guys. <laughs> I think actually too, what, what you're kind of talking about too, Sarah is as humans, we think that when we're out of something or something changes, 
all of our problems will go away, right? That's even what I'm talking about. I'm like, if I move, if I have a baby, a baby girl, maybe I'll be able to watch what I want to watch on TV at night with a daughter who's sitting next to me, right? Like <laughs> 17 years from I'll now. You borrow mine and you can, and you can <laughs> test that out. How about that? 17 years from now, I could watch Dancing with the Stars and Cody Rigsby with a daughter instead of like having to fight my husband and son about some war movie. Do you know what I mean? Amanda. (laughs) So when we are predicting something, we think that our lives will get automatically better once that happens. And for a lot of us, it was like, once my kids are vaccinated, or once my kids are back in school, or once the majority of our city is vaccinated, because a lot of people in our city are, and we kind of can return to a lot of normal living with masks. Most things are within the realm of kind of what they were before the pandemic. And it's still hard. Right. So we think we set ourselves up for these huge, we're going to be so happy when, but we are not good at predicting that. So then we're actually disappointed when we get there because life is still hard. Guys, life was hard before the pandemic. Now that our lives are looking more and more like quote unquote normal, life is still hard, but we did not forecast that accurately. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it's called affect forecasting errors. And I kind of love that term because we do. And as therapists, we see it in our office all the time, right? We see these young adults come in in relationships that were not healthy. They break up with this person and they think their life is going to be freaking awesome because they finally broke up with that boy that wasn't nice to them or whatever. And they're still not very happy. And I think it's like that, like you always think something's going to be a certain way. And when you get there, it's not always that way. Um, Sometimes it can be better, of course, but I think we don't always forecast correctly, like you're saying, Amanda. And I think that in itself can be disappointing, right? Like that, like it's one thing for it to feel bad, but then also like every good human being, we tend to like use our, our minds to cycle through things and kind of punish ourselves with those things. So then we can even get mad at ourselves for not feeling something we thought we were going to feel, which just kind of continues it or keeps us stuck in that place. And doubting ourselves and doubting our own intuition and who we are. Yes. Who are we? And it's (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. It's a really weird, I think the reverse is really weird too. When you're predicting that something is going to be so hard or something is going to like really throw you off and then it doesn't, you kind of walk around waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're like, could I really be okay? When is it going to hit me? And it's fascinating to me that we're just not good predictors of what our own emotional response is going to be. And so trusting that it's normal to not feel the way that you thought you were going to feel. By the way, I use this with kids all the time when they're stressing over colleges, just so you know, because they will think that like their college decision is going to impact everything about their lives. And on, on some level it is. And they're not, they are likely not predicting accurately how they're going to feel at any college. They're probably going to end up feeling the same way at any college that they go to because that happiness level is kind of, is a little more preset than we think it is. So guys, you can also, all those high school parents out there, what's it called again, Sarah? It's called affect forecasting error. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them there's a name for it and they don't need to stress so much about their college decisions. Yes, exactly. I think also though, you know, it's interesting and probably because I am a therapist, I 
feel like a lot of times I have some sort of uh, affect forecasting superpower which, with my family, which I don't actually have, drives them nuts. And I, I, we have a planned event or we have something going on, or I think if I do this, it'll have some awesome outcome. And because I'm forecasting their affects for them and um, I need to stop doing that and it's not very healthy and it's disappointing. Right. But I think we all do that in times of stress too, because we're, if we're not feeling great when we're in a family system, we might try to then, or, or we sense that our, our partner's not is being hit by this pandemic flux in some way and seems more anxious or seems more depressed or whatever. We might try to do something to lift them out of it. And then, if that doesn't lift them, then we're disappointed it didn't work. And again, that's also that affect forecasting kind of thing that we're just not good at. We need to stay in our own lanes and just talk about feelings is really how it works. Sarah, that is really smart. Yeah. Though, what you just said. But, it was? But, yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I good. think that like, you know, if you are a person, if you're a parent in a family you want to make drastic changes to your family because of pandemic flux syndrome, but we can't like, we know on so many levels like that, that that's not the greatest idea all the time. So I think it's probably really easy to think an answer is to control your kid or to control your partner. And, and that's the big change that you're going to make. You know, maybe for me, it's my kids. It's like, oh, maybe we'll do one more activity or I'm going to get them in mathnasium because all the other kids are in mathnasium. And it's more my own issue around wanting to control a change than it is whatever is happening for them. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially with when, you know, you think about your marriage or your partner. And I mean, that's especially an area that you really want that person to be like, especially if you're not feeling great, you want that person to feel better to pull you up or, you know, I mean, there's just all these kind of, it's not conscious, I don't think, but I think it's something you can get into a real pattern around. But yeah, I mean, I catch myself, my family's more than happy to call me out on it, which is really generous of them. They're so (laughs) kind. (laughs) We have a famous saying in our house, like, don't ruin my, your birthday for me which is when, you know, you have this really exciting gift you want to give someone and you want them to be super excited about it, but they aren't because it's really not for them. It's really for you. So (laughs) it's that same kind of energy. Like, you know, if you really put a lot of weight on someone else to feel happy or to fix something, who are you trying to fix in that moment? Yeah. And I will never let them, never going to let them hear this. Just letting you know. Yeah. I Guys, this is making me also really, we just, we need to increase our empathy because we have really, we need to increase our empathy for ourselves at this time. You know, I think now it's time to think about what can we do now that we've given a label to pandemic flux and we've talked about why it's there and it all makes sense. What are adults supposed to do with it? Well, and, and empathy is hard right now. Like, I I mean, people are, are, not being empathic of each other. They're really not being empathic with themselves. I mean, a lot of people who come into our offices, I mean, part of one of the first things I always say to them is like, would you talk to somebody else the way you're talking to yourself right now in your head? I mean, people are running short on empathy. It's a very, it's a hard feeling right now to come up with, I think. I mean, the act of empathy, not so much, but just the feelings of empathy can be tough. I think like for all of us, it's like knowing that this feeling is normal right? That there's nothing wrong with me. I don't have to beat myself up, right? I can just know that 
this is the season of life that I'm in right now. And it is going to come with some really uncomfortable emotions and knowing that that's okay. Right. And knowing that like, Hey, they're going to be like these stressors and these things that I don't feel like I have bandwidth for. And like, we're all in it. Right. Talk to a friend about it because I do think a lot of us, Sarah, just like you were saying, we are going to be so hard on ourselves. And if we just share that with a friend or a partner, they can say like, whoa, that day I had with Amanda, Amanda was like, you don't need to be feeling this way. Right. But just hearing from another person, Hey, I hear you. I get what you're going through. I have felt that way too. And you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I think Again, that those that negative narrative that can kick up for us. I mean, whenever we have life experiences that create some sort of discomfort, we we do kind of tend to assign a negative narrative to it. And and usually that starts with like, I am. I am not good enough. I am not enough. I am so silly or I'm so stupid or you know, whatever. And I think if we can be conscious of of trying to slow down that process, which happens quite naturally for most people and really hold ourselves accountable to be not only empathic to other people, but to ourselves right now, I'm going to have to dig deep in my house, but with um, (laughs) my family sometimes, and I'm more than willing to own that. But I think, I think that's the part that is going to help us get through this pandemic flux. I think it, it sounds so simple and it's not simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to dig deep and, and lean into that stuff when, you're already tired and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed. But if we can make it simple, it might be easier. And I think for me, you know, I think talking about it and like Caroline, like you said, like the second you share it with someone else, you realize that some of it, and now that we have a name for it, it's going to normalize it. But I think some of these life decisions, I think you really, the big life decisions, as I said, I'm really thinking about how hard am I going to pressure my husband around having a baby six years later, but really stopping and thinking about, is that what you want in the long run? Sometimes they, sometimes it is y'all like sometimes this stress is really giving us some clarity about what we want our lives to look like. And sometimes we can be making rash decisions that might be you know, that might not be what we want to be doing in the long run. So I think talking about it, knowing that it's normal, and then really slowing it down so that you know whether it's worth it or it's not worth it to make these life decisions. That being said, I think everybody should try and have a baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think sometimes it's hard to know, especially right now, it's hard for me to know, like, which decision is actually thought out, which decision is just angst and anxiety for me. And usually if I just wait a minute or a day, I'm able to figure that out. Yeah. And I think talking about those decisions can be helpful. Yeah. Okay, y'all. Next week, we are going to talk about how we think the pandemic flux syndrome is impacting our children and particularly teenagers, because I think clinically we are seeing it blow up with the teenagers let us know. Yes. <laughs> Sarah's like, absolutely. <laughs> so 
for Virginia Family Therapy. If you have questions or want to know anything about us, you can go to our website at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. You can like us on Facebook or Instagram and rate and review us on Apple or Spotify. Anything else, y'all? Yes, please. No, and enjoy your pandemic flux. We're going to make it through this and we're going to look back and think we are badass for making it through the pandemic flux. Damn straight. Thank you, Amy Cuddy, for that article and that term. Bye, y'all.